This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton Whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Since 1973, the art of engraving brings to life the artistry that Montana Silversmiths is known for and is fueled by a passion for the Western lifestyle. Montana Silversmiths' buckles and jewelry are more than accessories. They are stories, stories of moments and memories shared through the giving, receiving, and earning of Montana Silversmiths' buckles and jewelry. Celebrate what matters with Montana Silversmiths. This episode brought to you by Element, L-M-N-T, a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix formulated for anyone on a mission to restore health through hydration. It's perfect for athletes, folks who are fasting, or anyone following keto, low-carb, whole food, or paleo diets. Each stick pack delivers a dose of electrolytes free of sugar, artificial colors, or those other dodgy ingredients you see in other sports drinks. Also, receive a free Element sample pack with any order. Just use drinkelement.com forward slash Flint. That's L-M-N-T, drinklmnt.com forward slash Flint for a free sample pack with any order of Element. And remember, stay salty. Well, welcome to episode number 84. I didn't sound very excited right there in that intro, did I? Did I? Welcome to episode 84. According to Flint, there, is that better? Matt West, this is the, uh, episode 84 is the Matt West Flint episode. Lead. I like these ones, Matt, where we can talk about things that are going on. And, and I did, last episode, I kind of did an NFR wrap-up with Dusty Tuckness and my brother Will. But there are some cool things happening for everyone and for us going on with riders, events in the PBR. And I thought we'd do a little PBR, six, five, six events into the UTB season, looking ahead. So, first of all, welcome. Great job in New York City. No, Thanks. hits different. The old New York City energy just hits different. Can't describe it, but it is different. You talk about what us uh, doing this. It's it's the exact same thing we do in the locker room after a show or in a hotel room or an airport. It's just, I mean, before we jumped on here and started recording, it's constantly talking about what we do. I don't think people realize how much time we invest in our personal lives thinking about talking about working on our professional life it's almost sickening when you really think about it like unplug disconnect but new york is uh i don't think people understand the enormity of what it means to do madison square garden until you get to do it mm-hmm. like I, I i you know me i'm an emotional guy the first night we get done i go back to the room and i just kind of sit there and stare at the ceiling and go my God, we just worked the garden again. And the crowd there is, it's so different than everywhere else in the world. Yeah. I, 
a little bit sadly, I've always understood what it was about being in the arena, but I was so invested in, okay, what am I going to do today? The New York crowd is different and it always took more work and it always took more thought and I always appreciated it. But now this year being in a new role, being in a sport coat and a better shaped hat, I mean, uh, being in a management position, in a management position. Thank you. Yeah. I looked and went, holy shit. We, we really, uh, because every, here's what other, here's what else people don't understand. You think New York and nobody, oh, the Cowboys, every person in a suit there, every usher, every, every security person, every random laborer calls us by name and shakes our hand and is so glad to see us there. And I think it took this year going and just walking around talking to everybody to really, really appreciate what I had all those years. Because we, you can get immersed and, and take it for granted. I've gotten some really good friends out of just working that event. Some of the people behind the scenes, some of the, like you said, the security guards have become good friends of ours because we've gotten to know them and their family. And that's, what's cool about it. The garden is I've got a friend there that works security. His dad works security there. Now he works there. His 22 year old son is working with him. It's a big family and New York gets a bad rap, but if everybody could see the inner workings of Madison square garden and see what we see, there's a lot of really good people in New York. It's a, you know, it's it's an honor to go back there and and work that crowd. I sat at a Knicks game the other night, and I watched people hanging over the bridges and, like, just people everywhere. And I thought to myself, man, how cool would that be to come into work and look around and see that many people in an arena? And then, you know, 24 hours later, walked into that building and went, my God, there's a lot of people here. They're, they're in the same space as they were for the Knicks games. There was a lot of people there this weekend. I think you created a little bit of a segue for me about so sometimes New York gets a bad rap. If you were to watch the news, certain kinds of news, I and I think you would assume that yet yeah, we we in the cowboy world you hear a lot about we pray and sing the anthem and da da da. The reality is not every person in the rodeo world is a great guy. I mean, it's just sorry, yeah. sorry everybody. Um, Wait, is that breaking news? What? What? Um, no. On the other hand. You would think going into New York that the anthem and a prayer before a sporting event that they push back more energy for your prayer and more energy for the national anthem in Madison Square Garden than most places we go. So it does get yeah. a bad rap that that part of the country is also full of people yeah. who appreciate a prayer and the national anthem. I never think during a prayer. It just like comes from the heart. Like it's just, you know, it's just what I do. New York city makes me think during a prayer because when you say something and they start cheering so loud that I have to go, do I stop in the middle of this prayer and let them finish? Right. I don't know what to do. When you, when you in your prayer say, look, uh, you have a way of wording it. The military men and women out there protecting our country. You had to stop because they cheered so loud in that prayer. Yeah, and and that's not something you plan on. You know, Mm -hmm. in the middle of an invitation, you plan on, you know, praying, saying amen. Every once in a while, you'll get a a pretty good reaction at the end. Rarely does it happen, and you start thinking, does Billy Joel stop in the middle of his songs and, like, (laughs) have to wait for him to get done to move on to the next verse? I, I, 
I'm not used to that reaction and those moments like that. So it's like, do you stop? We, we had to for a minute to let them kind of get through it. And so it's, it's uh, impactful. Speaking of their involvement, tell the story Sunday. And I felt bad for the young lady that came to sing the national anthem. A part of a system in the building, wireless system went down. Speaking of surprise, people in New York City will do this. Tell the story of what happened with the national anthem on Sunday. I want to start by patting our team on the back because our our crew works so hard oh to make gosh. sure everything yeah. is they work meticulously to make sure everything is working. A lot of times things are just out of their control. So Sunday we go through our opening ceremonies and Clint introduces the national anthem singer and she starts to sing, but we did not start to hear anything. And so one of the guys on our crew, poor Drew, comes around to the gate to make sure the microphone's on. It's on, hands it back to her. Mike behind me is pushing buttons to make sure everything's the way it's supposed to be. She sings again, nothing. Nothing. And so anxiety gave me anxiety. Yeah. I thought I was going to get fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't, me too. And I didn't even do anything. But everybody starts to look around and, and you can tell that I, I look at our guys and they're like, everything on our end is where it's supposed to be. So at that point, it's a bigger issue. And it's not like that happens all the time. One of the coolest things ever, and I go back to when we were in T-Mobile Arena and you started the national anthem and the crowd sang with us, mm -hmm. we reverted back to that. And it was like, if the microphone doesn't work, we're at a point where we've got to get through the anthem mm -hmm. and I'm not a singer. So I got about, Oh, say out of the way, <laughs> but I'll take over. But I'll tell you again, back to New York, getting a, a bad rap or you throw politics aside, whatever you want to talk about. We had however many thousand people in New York city singing the national anthem as loud as possible. And I had the hair on the back of my neck, the chill bumps, all the cliche things. It happened on Sunday yeah. to me. And make no mistake, you and I have a lot of yeah. hair on the back of our necks. It's That's, true. That, that true. great on the back, on the, on the that, back of the my hair back. on the back of my <laughs> back. <laughs> it was cool. And and it, it just so it just cool. made and I was upset. I God, we gotta check everything. It wasn't us. It's funny that our sound guy's name is Mike. But anyway, uh and so when that happened, I went. Blessing in disguise, you know, Big our time. CEO, Sean Big Gleason time. said, Hey, can we make the microphone not work again? That was pretty cool. But Big it, time though. Look, like things happen like that for a reason. It's a bigger picture. That was way more impactful for all of us. You know, everybody in there, you, you got a moment that you're never going to forget now. And that wasn't planned. And so I don't want things to malfunction every weekend. Yeah. When they do, when it works like that. It's a, it's a blessing. Uh, a pat on the back to our production team and our crew as I start this, also this subject with this. We have visually, <clears throat> visually, I believe, a, PB, a weekly PBR, Unleash the Beast show, is a standard for Western sports and a lot of live events in lighting, audio, screen uh, accessibility. You know, that has to do with the visual of it. When you walk into an arena, it's quite the sight of what it looks like. The And with all, I don't mean this in a bad way, but as the NFR rolls around for a lot of rodeo people across the country, their one standard is the NFR, which is awesome. The yellow shoots, the yellow, 
the Thomas and Mac, and they always post a video of the week-long process to turn Thomas and Mac into a rodeo facility. Mm-hmm. You know where I'm going. I, <clears throat> I think this will be a great clip to advertise this podcast. <laughs> I think everyone should know what the PBR production and arena crew do in arenas like, uh, not just any arena, but like in Madison Square Garden. On Wednesday, on Tuesday night, there was a hockey game. On Wednesday night, there was a New York Knicks game. And on Thursday night, there was a New York Rangers NHL hockey game. And 24 hours later, we did one of the greatest PBR shows ever in Madison Square Garden. We have a crew that turns it around for a show in 24 hours. And I don't know how they do it, man. Here's your controversial statement. Take weeks and weeks and days and days to put together something that you believe is the epitome of what the production is. Give our guys 12 hours and we put on the most incredible show in Western sports. When our guys can follow up a hockey game and get the arena at midnight to start bringing in a million and a half pounds of dirt, all of the lighting, the uh, screens, everything that we utilize in a two and a half hour production, and they can get the building at midnight, run up five flights of stairs, get it put in place, and at four o'clock the next afternoon, I'm not talking 24 hours, at four o'clock the next afternoon, they go, okay, guys, you can come in and do your job. You, me, all of the fans, we've been most incredible team in western sports in sports in my opinion um it's amazing what our crew does behind the scenes and and i wish we could have them on every show that we go to i wish we could have them you know just propped up everywhere we go to give them the the uh accolades and the appreciation they deserve it's 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 amazing walk in when we come to our meeting because you talk about aesthetically pleasing that's the first impression any ticket buyer any consumer gets is what they feel when they walk in and i've i've gone to wwe i've gone to ufc i've gone to every major concert in the country when you walk in to the seats at any of our arenas and you see the way it looks it's impressive yeah they're a little weary when we got kind of you you kind of feel bad walking in and they haven't been to bed and here we are dressed up nice in our starch clothes hey fellas we sure i sure hope we give them I sure hope we give those guys what they deserve in that. That was always, it's always been our goal to make sure everybody knows how hard they work. They were, I've always said, they work way harder than we do. You just cheer for us. So. Yeah. Hey, and I think those guys do know because over the years, things have changed and they realize that we realize what they do and that we love them so much that we couldn't do it without them. It's like, it's like the way that people bull, people feel about bulls. We couldn't do the sport without the bulls. Of course, we love those animals. Well, we couldn't do the sport without our crew. So, of course, we love them just as much. We love those animals too. <laughs> Look, they're all animals. I those promise. Stinking buggers! I'll tell you. <laughs> our oh. uh, our production. It, what would Luke Kaufman be? Our production coordinator, boss, kind of calls all. I I I don't Luke's title. You know, it, it's just Luke. But he hadn't yeah. slept. He had to be there at 11 p.m. the night before. We walked out of that arena about 11 p.m. the next night. 
he had an old fashioned or two to <laughs> to celebrate the victory. <laughs> so, uh, and well deserved. Yeah, well yeah. deserved. Yeah, they've. Uh, it's interesting to me, and we're talking about a lot a lot about New York, but I, I just think it's an interesting topic, and because it's probably the one place I get asked the most questions about in a place like Billings, Montana. There's cowboys in New York. Well, there is when we get there. Uh, whether it's the Yellowstone effect, whether whatever, they've gotten used to us being there. We used to be a novelty. I used to be very uncomfortable there yeah. in my cowboy hat. Not anymore. Where you stand out there at the New York stock, we got to go open the New York stock exchange again. The big, the big dude construction guy across the street. He yelled one word at us. Yellowstone. He was a very large man. And we were all like, yep, us too. Love that show. (laughs) And, but that's what I'm talking about with New York getting a bad rap. This right here is the best conversation starter in the world because New York City sees a cowboy hat. They want to talk to you. We always talked about they're not rude. They're just busy, and there's so many people that it's get from point A to point B unless you're wearing a cowboy hat because then they want to stop and talk, yeah. and they want to ask you you know, how things are going. They want to talk to you about what you're doing. They want to talk to you about Yellowstone. There's, there's so many good people. Uh, there's just so many people that I was glad to be back in Oklahoma. It's so it's busy it. that. Oh, it's exhausting. Like yes. just point A to point B, the greatest pizza in the world. Sorry, Chicago. It's the greatest people pizza in the world. Like I disagree. I, I'm a Chicago pizza guy. Now that I'm back in Oklahoma and not in New York, I can't wait for this weekend. I'm a Chicago pizza guy. You are. It's they're and okay. Two now. I know I like New York pizza better. I, that doesn't mean I don't like. You know, pizza is like other things in our life. Even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, you know. Yep. But it's, yeah, I, it's a pie. It's a true pie in Chicago. Yeah, and I'm a fat kid. So I, I the more I can get on my plate, the better. I, I like the, give me the big, thick piece. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll eat New York pizza all day, every day. But yeah. like you said, any pizza's good pizza. <laughs> so I, as we record this, it's a couple of days earlier, but I will say I changed my flight. I was just coming in the day of, but it's supposed to snow a foot in Chicago. So I'm coming in Thursday. So if you're there, we'll get some pizza. Oh, Let's do it. All right. I know a little spot. Here in, I mean, in Chicago. as this is released, if we're here in Chicago right now, we'll get, we'll get pizza. <laughs> I'm down. I'm always down. Uh, one more kind of New York specific thing that was pretty cool. That's going to play out in the next couple months and be done the right way. We've had people want to get on a board. We've had people just come and I want to ride a bull, but a true guy that really does want to ride a bull and has and issued the challenge. You were interviewing him issued the challenge. Dana White UFC president, CEO, everything, boss, owns a yeah. bull. Cowboy, our man Cowboy issued the yeah. challenge. Is it Sorone? Is it Cowboy Sorone? It's whatever he wants. It's, it's Cowboy. Donald, That's, his name Don. Yeah. What He's going to ride the bull Twisted Steel uh, coming up in the next couple months, right? Right to you. That, that's the idea. Um, and, and I think we're still waiting. At this moment, on the official challenge from Dana, yeah, uh, 
to be accepted. Cowboy threw it out there. And, you know, we, I just wanted to talk about being in the hall of fame. I wanted to talk about, you know, his love of the sport and he in true cowboy fashion, anytime, anywhere, any place, just threw it out there and was like, Danny, you're so proud of your bull. I, I think I can get on. I think I can ride him. Um, I actually, not to tease my podcast, but we did sit down <laughs> and have a really good conversation with Cowboy that'll be out next week. And, and I asked him. Is that up, Matt, you... Matt West lot? Matt... I, I think it's still going to be Matt West now. Don't Matt know. West Mike now. Jay- yeah. Um, but but it, it's interesting because this guy really does uh, have this adrenaline addiction. Yeah. And he talked about why he wants to do this. And there's a bigger picture. He's a really, really good human. Um, I hope he hears me say that because he scares the absolute piss out of me. <laughs> He's a scary dude. And if he says he can ride this bull, I believe him. I really do. Can't wait to see how this unfolds. I think Dana's – he's got to take him up on the challenge, right? He can't say no. Can't. Cowboys retired from fighting. Uh, I mean, that's just a cowboy – it's so cowboy Cerrone. You know what it is? It's cowboy <laughs> shit, man. It is. It's cowboy shit. shit. He is a good dude. Cowboy's a good guy. And, um, and you know, what a great, what a cool thing to, if his UFC fans, if it gets them involved in PBR and, uh, I mean, it's, it's just a great thing for, for everyone, for our hardcore PBR fans to watch a guy, you know, go through trying to figure out the the right way to ride a bull and see, do I think he's going to ride him eight seconds? Nah, I don't, but it'll be cool to see how well he does. Cause that guy, this isn't a novelty thing to cowboy, but he really this He's a true athlete. He wants to do yeah. it. Yeah. He loves it. And, and he loves a challenge and he's going to go train. I promise you, he's going to go find the right training space. He's going to practice. He's going to work on trying to develop the right skills. You know, he, when he started fighting in the UFC, he didn't have the wrestling and, and a lot of the technical aspects, you know, I mean, he grew up just, he liked to fight and he liked the challenge of it. And so I sometimes think those are the better characteristics, you know? Uh-huh. So we'll, see. we'll see. I'm, I'm excited to watch the progress, watch his journey. And like you said, it's all about growing the sport and we love our, our hardcore passionate fans that are here every week. But if you truly want what's best for the athletes, then you want those new eyeballs. And I think something like this is going to bring in new eyeballs. I mean, yeah. and that's what we're here to do. We are. It's, I don't know. It's fun. And you know, it, the reason, the reason I probably worked in the arena as long as I did is because there was always something going on with what we, where we were working with PBR and stuff that made you look around the next corner. We're going to do what, you know, I was five years ago, Sean Gleason and I had the conversation about me retiring from the dirt, but there was always something made me go, what's, what are we doing? What? Okay. Okay. Wait, I want to, I'll do that. Okay. And then wait, yeah. we're going, wait, we're doing on the, the deck of a, an aircraft carrier. All right. I better stay around for that. We're, you know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's, it's the FOMO effect, man. Like the fear of missing out on something that is going to have an impact. And, and, and I go through the same thing. I still, as a fan, get so excited when we talk about things like this, you know? Oh, wait, we're going where we're doing what? Yes. I want to go. I'll be here till I'm a hundred if they let me God willing, because that's one thing that, you know, people always talk about management and they talk about leaders and every organization uh, and not to pat the boss on the back, but Sean really does 
constantly look for ways to grow the sport, to have a, a major growth impact for the athletes. And things like this are just a small taste of, of what we're talking about. And I think, I look, the first three decades were incredible. Look at the growth from day one to, you know, the end of year 30. I think we're just getting started. I really do. I think the biggest uh, peak of the mountain is still yet to come. So that's what FOMO means. Fear of missing out. Believe <laughs> it or not. And, and, I gonna, and as you say, there's things Sean Gleason says, you say, we're going, we're doing what? And there's other things he says, you go, you're doing what? <laughs> wait, doing wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> what, what? <laughs> it's all in the delivery. <laughs> uh, okay. <clears throat> the other reason I wanted to have you on and a great discussion is we, uh, what, what are we six events in already to the Unleash the Beast tour as we record this coming off of New York used to be New York kif- kicked off the year. I see a lot of fans will say, can you really crown a world champion with the season so much shorter? It really event wise, it's maybe a couple, maybe two shorter. It's 26 or 24. It, it really isn't shorter. It just is adjusted. Here we are. We have storylines already. First of January. Yeah. If it's a lot shorter season, I'm missing my weekends off. I'm not getting any time off. The guys, that's that's what I don't understand because the guys are still getting on. Those guys this weekend that got into the championship round got on a minimum of five bulls in three days. Some with three rides got on seven or eight bulls. Uh, but you look at back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back weekends for 25 weeks. It's not a shortened season. These guys are, are getting on. They're putting the work in, but they're being rewarded for it. And you look at a guy like Austin Richardson, you want to talk about storylines? Go back go back the last couple of seasons when he was struggling and listen to some of the things I said. I said, I really do think this guy has the talent to be a world title contender. He was just missing it here. Mm-hmm. His confidence is where he was lacking the last couple of years. And he'd have a big moment, and then he'd kind of waver in his confidence, and it cost him. Um, now look at him. He went to the practice bin. He went and put in the work on getting on bulls away from his hand to where he was just as confident going one direction as he was the other. And now he's the number one bull rider in the world. He's won back-to-back events. He won over $118,000 in three days this weekend. Yeah, and 45000 uh, $45, the week before. Yeah. So, I mean, we're looking at close to 200000 in a span of seven days. Mm-hmm. That's a... Uh, eight days that's when you stop and you go why are we doing all these other things or why do we go to new york city and places like this that's why so a bull rider can make almost two hundred thousand dollars in two weekends that's amazing to me yeah i i've talked for years i i've always had not really a saying but a a theme about when you need riders they talk about the nfl and nba and when the league is better when you know, the NFL, the league is better when the Cowboys and Raiders are good. That's just a fact. Our league is better when certain guys are good. There's guys that are good for business. Austin Richardson is good for business. I've had fans get a little blowback to me. uh, Oh, you're just treating, these are guys, they're not business. No, it is business. It's good for everybody. Austin Richardson's good for business. Dalton Castle's good for business. Reality is, reality is, 
there's some young American up-and-coming bull riders that are really good. Our tour is in the U.S. It is good for business. That's a fact. But so is a guy like Cassio Diaz. Cassio Diaz, yes. You don't have to speak his language to understand that there's something there. And we're we're doing a great job of starting to tell those stories mm-hmm. and making even our friends here in America connect with those Brazilian riders. There, you look at right now, there's three rookies in the top ten. And the 10th place guy is a guy named Caden Loud. I've never heard him speak a word, and I've tried to have eight conversations. But there's something about an 18-year-old kid from Texas that doesn't say anything and just smiles that a lot of people love. You know who else is good for business? Guys like Jose Vitor, let me, Sage Kimsey. Um, and, and I cannot wait. I hate that we missed Sage for a few weeks, went to the NFR, and then got sick because when he left, he was third-ranked bull rider in the world. He's down to 13th. I think by the end of this weekend, he's back inside the top 10. And at the end of the year, he's he's fighting with Jose and Austin and some of these guys for a gold buckle. I do too. Uh, the, we, the, the fun thing is you can list two or three. They're good for business. We have a list this long that, that everybody knows. And, okay, full confession here. Uh, not confession, but... I look. I remember. I looked back. At Tucson, Arizona, was the first event, first part of November. And I looked at the list and went, "I don't know that I've ever seen a list like that." Everybody's heard of every one of these guys. You know why they've they had heard of them? PBR teams. Because of teams, we met, every ride is significant, and every player on the team is significant. And I've I had looked into every one of them and knew who they were and had a connection to them. So exactly what we started talking about two years ago, PBR teams is good for business. You might not like the team concept and think that bull riding is an individual sport, but if you like bull riders, we're setting everything up. Your fan favorites are still getting on bulls, but more importantly, we keep saying it's hard for us to believe Cassio Diaz is a rookie. Well, it's because we watched him do so well during teams. Caden Bunch, we met during teams. Caden Loud, we met during teams. There's so many of these guys that got in, got their feet wet, and got their legs underneath them in the team's format, got confident at competing at this level because they were a part of a team. And now, you know, they're jumping in there and they're top 10 contenders. They're winning events. They, they're confident. And, and they've been prepared for this Unleash the Beast. And, and, and they got help from PBR legends as their coaches. To prepare right. them for I mean just great ingredients for teams that, yeah. that that make the entire industry better yeah in my Cassio Diaz you brought him up and I'd brought up young American writers which for our American audience is great but Cassio Diaz we did a little feature in the line the translation I wanted to be on bulls since I was in my mom's belly he said <laughs> but that guy hey you know who he's built like for rodeo people out there if you look at him his short body and his long legs and the way he's built just like Billy Etbauer. Yeah. Think about yeah. that. And he's like in his early twenties and already walks like Billy Etbauer. It's amazing. <laughs> There's something to it, but, but okay. When Cassio Diaz says, I was thinking about riding bulls in my mama's belly. There's some weird thing about me that believes him a little bit. Cause he's so damn good at it. I, I, I know that he thinks about it all day, every day. And, and that's what, makes greatness right yeah he's putting in the work he's thinking about it that's why they're here and i think we forget sometimes that so many of these brazilians come here 
to chase a dream. And that's all they're here to do. They're not here to sightsee. They're not here to, you know, always go out and, you know, hit the town. They're here to ride bulls and provide for their family and build a better life for themselves. And when they do it, it's pretty cool to see. Uh, somebody brought up at one time, I thought it was a really interesting take that we talk about, look at, they do this well, and there's that language barrier. Now that there's a bunch of them here, the language barrier actually works to their benefit when it comes to winning because they don't hear all the noise. And yep. they don't have, they're not doing every interview. They're, the language barrier in their case can help them focus a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they're not out doing all the other things. They're not out you know, running around because if, if I go to a country and I don't speak English and I'm just there to show up, go to work every day and then go back home, I'm going to be able to save money. I'm going to be able to work on my craft. I'm going to be able to put more money in the bank and then therefore take more money back home. And that's what they do. Um, it is impressive though. When you see a guy like Jose come over and spend so much time working on his English because he understands the value in that as far as marketability as far as wanting, like he had one goal to be the champ and not just be the champ on paper or get the buckle. Like he wants to represent this sport as the champion. And that's why I think sometimes people pull a little bit more for guys like that, but mm -hmm. uh, whether they speak English as good as we do or not at all, they're here. They've left their homes and their families to chase this dream. How can you not support somebody chasing, you know, a goal like that? I'm, I'm just, of athletes and people that have a purpose every guy in our locker room has a purpose right now and and it shows it shows with like you said there's so many storylines it's it's incredible when you look at the top 10 bull riders in the world the names that are in that top 10 mm -hmm. hey i want to go back to jose vitor lemme and things that are hopefully on the horizon and working on through the PBR. I don't think it's anything confidential, but when we look at numbers of bull riders and things that we want to achieve, we need more bull riders and some rider development stuff. And we get pushback in the cowboy world. A lot of, you can't just take some athlete and make him a bull rider. You need to grow up around this. You need to, because that's the goal. I, I talked to, Hey, there's a kid that played running back for Montana state, but he's one of those little five, eight running back. I won't say his yeah. name on here, but uh, and he's come to me, he said, I've been on two bulls. He's lost a bunch of weight. He can do that. Like you can develop. And as in the words of our CEO, somebody said, the best bull riders come from the cowboy world. You can't just make an athlete a bull rider. And he said, I don't know. There was a uh, professional uh, minor league professional soccer player that was 16 years old that decided to become a bull rider. And he's our world champion, Jose Vitor Lemmy. He didn't grow up yeah. around this. Yeah. He was a soccer player, great athlete. I don't know how you were in school. I was the shyest kid in the world. Yeah, me too. Yeah. To take <laughs> reality is I wouldn't talk to anybody. And I know when I started announcing here locally and my dream was to get to the PBR, there was a lot of naysayers that said he'll never do it. So to me, you can't say, oh, you're going to take the shyest kid you know, and he's going to go tell stories to thousands of people and millions on television. If you tell me you can't take an athlete and with the right work ethic and the right coaching, turn them into whatever they want to be, bullshit. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't agree with that. I don't agree with the mentality of trying to hold them back or blocking them or saying they can't do it because – look, if that's really what they want to do and they're passionate about it and they've got the right work ethic, I think that's the best part. 
You look at every other sport in the world, you know, uh, you take wrestlers and they turn into fighters. They don't have all the jujitsu, a cowboy, kickboxer, became one of the most prominent fighters in the world against guys that grew up doing all of the disciplines because he had the work ethic, he had the heart, and he had the mindset. I I think that there's there's a lot more to it, and I think that's good for the sport because I think before the end of our lifetime, we're going to see people coming from other worlds more often than we have. Uh, Luke Snyder didn't grow up, you know, in, in this world. Sean Willingham. He, Remember Sean Willingham? Bingo. That's exactly the next one I was going to say. Both of those guys did pretty well for themselves. Not too shabby. Yeah. And that soccer player you're talking about, when he comes back, look out. Look, at, it's kind of cool for me. I Right now, and, and I don't, as I've said, now that I can step back, I look and I get excited when we have a top 10 and storylines that are going on right now. And in that top 10 is Sage Kimsey's not in there and Jose Vitor Lemmy's been hurt. L- what happens when they start? Yeah. You, you sprinkle them in there. It's, yeah, it's cool. So Jose Vitor Lemmy missed the first five events of last season. Came in, got on a roll, ended up missing five more events. The dude missed 10 events last year and still almost won a world title. Should have. That's how different. Should have won. Yeah. Reed. And I think he'll be the first to tell you it was his to lose and he let it go. I don't think we see that again. If he's in position to get to the finals like he was this past year and he has a chance, look out because I still think we've yet to see the best version of Jose. But if you give you give a guy like Austin Richardson more time, especially to get comfortable in the number one spot and Cassio Diaz and, and all these guys. I hate to sound, uh, yeah, I hate to sound as cheesy as it is, but I think this could be the best race we ever see. Okay. As long as you bring it up, we we've talked about who's doing well and who's good for business. Who's good for bit. And I don't mean that in any kind of who's good for business. Who would it be good to see do better? Who should we expect more out of that's out there? I'll start. Uh, and he knows Daniel Keeping. Yeah. He's cut. Great in teams. I think let himself uh, let himself relax a little bit. Didn't stay sharp. Who else? And that's not an insult. We'll see him back. It's a, it's a little yeah. dose of reality. We'll see him back. Who else? I, I would have said Austin Richardson about three, four weeks ago. Me too. Yeah. Uh, Connor Halverson stepped up this weekend. Yeah. That's a kid that's kind of jumped on tour and then left and jumped on tour and left. I think we saw shades of what he should be. Um, and, and it's interesting because there's a lot of guys that are out of the top 15, top 20 right now that we expect to be guys like JRV and things like that. Um, I'm going to throw an easy one out there. Zeke, 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 all the talent in the world, something is missing. And, and I don't mean that as a negative connotation i just mean it because this sport is so difficult I, the novice fan has no idea how hard this is and unless you try it unless you've been on a bull shut up because it's hard man and and we see the mental struggles behind the scenes that a lot of guys go through even when they're doing good you know sometimes they go through this mental block but once they get that locked in and they can focus and really pay attention to what they're supposed to do. And I think that once Zeke gets locked in, I think he's good for business, really good for business. Um, 
mostly because the dude's got a he's got a movie star appearance. He really does. Yeah. He's got a big smile. You know, he he dances. He he gets that side of it. He understands that there's a big picture. Focus on, you know, task A, and then task B and C will come. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah, it's fun. So far, so good. And that's why, like I said, that's why I wanted to have you on, have a up-to-date, up-to-date podcast a little bit. We could do a podcast about every one of the top 30 guys. And we could just sit and talk about all the, you know, the pros and cons, mostly the pros. Because the locker room right now is pretty stacked. Yeah. We've got a really good group of talent. We've got a really good group of guys that are good for business, if you will. Um there's a lot of baby strollers running around back behind the scenes at times, but it's a little different than it was a decade ago. Yeah, it is. I I've explained that to people. It's amazing how many of these guys are married and have kids and it's funny. It's awesome. It's great. It's so cool. So cool to see. You know what else is great? Uh, When you go to a place like New York city and you're doing the Pluto TV pre-show on the back of the shoots and New York Yankees. Great. Dave Winfield is sitting right there. I remember one year in New York, Matt, do you remember we're a Sunday afternoon and, and uh, Cody Nance rode his bull and threw his bandana in the crowd and Matt Lauer caught it. Yeah. We're like, the hell's Matt Lauer doing here? Dan Aykroyd. I met Dan Aykroyd and his wife, Donna Dixon. One of the first years we went, um, New York's like that. Dave Winfield, you being a baseball guy and me being a, a baseball guy. That was cool. It was super cool. And and we look over our shoulder. We make a little reference to Dave Winfield and we look over our shoulder and he's just like, that's so, I had one of my biggest uh, kind of fangirl moments ever at the garden in New York city. Uh, we turn around, look over our shoulder and the announcer stand and Shane McMahon, Vince McMahon's son was sitting there with his boys and so Casey Duggan, who used to work for us, works for the WCRA, went over and I said, please go tell him that I'd like to take his boys and show him around afterwards. They oh. came down on the dirt, spent time, had really, really fun time. But uh, a guy that I watched all the time on, on wrestling yeah, just happened to be in the crowd, bought tickets for him and his kids, didn't say anything to anybody, just came to enjoy the show. And I think that's a testament to back how this whole thing started, to our production crew and the – impressiveness of the sport when you put those two things together and you mesh them well there's people like that that want to buy tickets to come see the show that's being put on that's a testament to what pbr is doing kimberly guilfoyle and uh dana perino from fox news were there one year trump jr donald trump jr brought his kids one year anyway we get it's just cool kind of nickname shania twain showed up shania twain showed up in our locker room Chris Stapleton stood next to us at the announcer stand one year because he was hosting SNL. SNL. Did you not know? That's right. He was hosting SNL and then came and hung out with us. Like, and it's cool because when you see those people start to show up at our events, you know, you're doing something right. And I don't want to talk much more about it because Garth Brooks told me never to name drop, but, uh, I was on stage. (laughs) Get it. Get it. I didn't have a microphone turned on, but I was singing my ass off. Um, all right, big schedule coming up as we release this Chicago, then Tulsa, Houston. Then we get into February with a, another major Sacramento is another major worth more points and more money that pays a hundred grand to win it. Just great things on the horizon. And of course, uh, two big weekends of the PBR world finals. Uh, but by, by the way, Sega weekend world finals, AT&T stadium, 
Uh, don't forget that first night, Kid Rock's Rockin' Rodeo. It's going to be interesting. It's team rodeo head-to-head competition. That's going to be crazy. Like yeah, With a Kid Rock concert in the middle of it. And, <laughs> and you and I, we've been in the meetings. We know that this is a much different rodeo than just any rodeo we've ever seen before. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I think, again, it, it adds some new elements to it and makes it more exciting. Well, keep them keep keep them engaged, Matt. As head of fan yeah. engagement, I can fire you. I just want uh, you to know that I can fire you. Just, I actually, I don't think that's true. But just make sure <laughs> the mics. If the mics don't work during the anthem, I'll keep them engaged at least uh, for once. And, and actually, just to clarify, you're right. I can. I I have no <laughs> ability to fire you. You know the guy that can fire me, and so I am well aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, getting fired. Uh, always appreciate you, buddy. Uh, I, I've always said the sometimes the hard thing about this job is when we're home, uh, we don't have as many good friends at home because all our dearest friends and family are the guys we travel with every weekend. Yeah. So, um, before you before you kick me out, I want to compliment Brinson really quick on this can, weekend. Could we please? Yes. Yeah. Uh, two two reasons. One, I thought he did a fantastic job. And getting the crowd engaged, and, and New York really enjoyed him. Uh, I really enjoyed him. I think he did a, a great job. But also, it's hard, and, and you won't admit this, but it's hard to be in that position when the goat is right there. And and I think he handled it with class. He wanted you to be a part of the show, where a lot of guys would have kind of shied away from that, knowing that you are the Billy Joel of the PBR, and you could sell that arena out a hundred times. But also one of the highlights was you picking up the harmonica and jumping back in there and, and giving the fans a little show. They appreciated it. I appreciated getting to be in that moment. It was really, really cool. Really special for a lot of us as fans to, you know, to just have you hanging out there and do that. It was so. fun. And, uh, Brinson James, uh, who's uh, going to be out there for quite a few of these is yeah, it's yeah. about, it's about engaging the people and making pe- people feel joy and a part of a show. And he's doing that and other guys are doing it. You know, Matt Merritt's out there doing it. So I just always want to tell people, I've had people say, I wish he was more like you. And I said, I don't. Then you'd bitch because he was trying to be like me. I mean, yep. give people a chance. Right. And he's did a great job in New York. That's an intimidating place. Luckily, Brinson is young and dumb and doesn't realize that. <laughs> he does. And he stepped up to the moment. I, I give him a bad time, but yeah, good. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. That's uh, you are correct. So keep up the good work. You and uh bad. I know a couple weeks ago you worked with Chris Rankin, Chris Rankin, really stepping up, doing a great job for us, but you and Clint Atkins, the perfect freaking frack. Uh, you got Matt over here doing this and Clint doing this and everything. When it comes together, it's, it's just great. And so keep it up, bud. Appreciate it, man. Okay, thanks.